African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, the African Perspective. You're listening to us from 11 o'clock Central African time until midday. Uh, Thank you for joining us on our frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. We're on DSTV on Channel 802. Uh, Remember, you can also listen to us via our live stream on www.channelafrica.com. Well, today we're looking at uh, uh, the condition and the health of state-owned enterprises in South Africa. Now, Looking at the backdrop that we're in now with this Zuma vote of no confidence and the secret ballot happening today in Parliament, uh, the context of the condition of the of state-owned conditions in South Africa is one that is so essential looking at this because we know that state enterprises have been linked to uh, uh, what has been now called uh, the Gupta Gate scandals, which have been linked directly uh, to the president of the country, uh, Jacob Zuma. But What is even more concerning is the status quo of these state-owned enterprises when we look at ESCOM, when we look at uh, uh, various other uh, peristatals such as the SABC, SAA. They found themselves uh, requesting for bailouts and guarantees as a result of their own overspending. I know that just yesterday, uh, Malusi Kigaba was in meetings with uh, SAA uh, lenders to really negotiate uh, the time frame uh, for SAA, the South African Airways to repay them. So there has been a big question that's been put on the ground in terms of the real profitability of uh, uh, these state-owned enterprises, but more importantly, uh, the effectiveness of the managers even within these uh, peristatals. Well, we're going to have a couple of guests who are going to join us for this conversation. We've got already on the line Mr. Temba Koti, who is the chairperson of the Standing Committee of Public Account, holding these public institutions in account. We also have Ms. Cheryl Carolos, who is uh, the ANC veteran politician and also we know that she has been very much essential and pivotal in terms of uh, constitutional proceedings. Uh, she's a trustee of the Constitutional Court. We also have uh, Professor William Gumet, who's the director of uh, uh, the program of for the management of public enterprises at the Witt School of Governance and uh, we also have Joachim Fermuten, who is an av- aviation economist and business uh, consultant. Now let me start with you, Joachim, because I want you to give me a breakdown in terms of the latest story. The latest story is SAA. Uh, they had to now find an additional 6.9 billion rands to settle uh, the recent loans. It seems like they want more of a bailout after they asked for a, for a bailout still. And it seems like uh, things are still not going well when it comes to South African Airways. Welcome. Can you hear me? Yes, a lot of uh, static on the line, uh, but I can hear you clearly. It's now better. 
All right, fantastic. I was just asking you about the condition of SAA. They've been asking for an additional 6.9 billion rands to settle uh, their loans. Can you give us uh, really what's going on with South African Airways from an aviation perspective? Why is uh, uh, it struggling so much to get things together? Uh, It's been a long time now. Maybe if I can reflect on the last three years, it's been chaos. Well, uh, fundamentally, uh, the, uh, speaking first on the 6.9 billion, both uh, our loans incurred to fund past losses. So banks provided SIA loans on government guarantees to fund losses. So it wasn't for assets or anything like that. And uh, <clears throat> um, if uh, government now, uh, you know, these loans are expiring, the terms. So they have to be replaced, and uh, mm. that replacement uh, is just a replacement of what's already been lost. So it doesn't create any new money for SIA. So if it's replaced, then it's uh, basically the status quo. It's not new cash flowing into SIA. Um, fundamentally, mm. if you look at what's been happening at SIA, it's been expanding its activities uh, under the principle of um, uh, growing strategic objectives. Mm. And um, uh, fundamentally, uh, you know, it's uh, expanding, it has expanded in excess of what it has uh, consumed demand. Mm. So it's too large, it's out of control, and uh, hence the losses uh, seems to increase. Uh, it has a negative uh, gross margin, so the more that you expand, the more losses you make. Mm. Um, so fundamentally, if uh, a change has to happen, um, you know, a, a change is basically your, uh, the opposite of what's been happening today. So mm. At the moment, the intention has been to expand loss-making activities for strategic purposes and so on. Mm. And uh, if you want to turn around it, you have to uh, reduce the scale of the loss-making activities. Mm. Uh, so that's uh, you know, directly opposite to what the strategic intent is uh, at this time. Um, so uh, fundamentally, if it required a, a change in the strategic objectives, uh, it has to make better choices of peoples, uh, and then yeah, the issue of uh, SOE policies and the role in the economy should be con- reconsidered. Uh, I think the intention was that mm. the SOE should drive growth in the economy. Now, it's very clear that uh, that hasn't happened. And um, the expansion and the capex, uh, you know, did not result mm. in growth in the economy. Um, and it's majorly, uh, you know, uh, the reverse is really um, applicable where you have a constraint in the economy by mm. excessive uh, economic regulation mm. and excessive presence of uh, the SOEs. It's uh, not operated on a commercial basis. Mm. Well, I want to I bring in our other guests in, in, in that chaos and that you bring a lot of uh, technical views there, Joachim. But let me bring uh, uh, Mr. Temba Gordi, the chairperson of the Standing Committee of Public Account, or SCOPA. Uh, Temba, it seems like uh, it comes back to the issue of financial management and uh, things seem to be uh, falling down when it comes to the effectiveness of state-owned enterprises. From SCOPA, what are your thoughts when you see this breakdown of, of state 
enterprises. And when, when you look at what uh, Joachim is highlighting there, that the expansion is not uh, really uh, good enough in terms of the turnaround of, of what the operations can actually handle within uh, SAA in itself. And now we're seeing even uh, the issue of the debt within SAA is still a problematic issue. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, <clears throat> I think there are a couple of things, you know, that impact on the state of parastatus. Um, the first issue I would like to highlight is around auditing uh, of their annual financial statements. Most of them are being audited by private uh, companies. If you look at the reports of these uh, audited financial statements, there are two telegraphic uh, they don't assist uh, oversight in any way. If you look at the SABC, it was only when the Auditor General took over mm. that uh, you know what we currently know as five billion rands of regular expenditure came to the fore, uh, which is as yet which has as yet not been confirmed as a complete. So you might actually even have more. So uh, that is the one problem. Secondly, it's around the boards. Uh, to what extent do you have the requisite skills? Uh, at one time, when we were dealing with the SAA, we found that uh, most of the board members were, were, were sitting in, in over 20 boards, wow. meaning to what extent, how and when do they get quality time uh, to focus on, on the work of such parasito. And thirdly, I think um, uh, politics, uh, for lack of a better word, that is the ability of ministers to stay away from tenders. Uh, and allow uh, honest managers to manage uh, in, in a correct and effective way. Uh, and lastly, Parliament itself, our oversight work. I think our oversight work can and should actually uh, be better. Uh, sure. The flow of activities that you see now around state of capture reports is that it's more reactive than uh, mm, proactive, mm, seeing mm, that mm. the portfolio committees meet with these entities on a day-to-day basis. Uh, the spending committee on appropriations track uh, in year expenditure and all that kind of stuff. So I think, by and large, uh, for me, those are the things that uh, create the necessary conditions for the road that uh, we have seen so far. Mm, let me bring in Ms. Cheryl Carolos. Uh, you know, it's very much uh, worrying to see the inconsistencies that were highlighted there by Temba Gotti. And uh, your thoughts in terms of where we're getting it wrong. I mean, we're speaking about Transnet, we're speaking about SAA, we're speaking about so many of these uh, state entities that are just going down the drain. And uh, all these issues are so, so pivotal in terms of restoring our economy. And it seems like we're not able to do that, Cheryl. Yes, thanks, Benjamin. In fact, I just asked my office to call because when the other, when uh, Mr. Gordy was speaking, his, his line was very, very bad, so I couldn't hear what he was saying at all. Okay, okay we'll try to see if we can sort it out commentary. for you. <laughs> some sports commentary going at the same time. <laughs> okay, I'll see if we can sort that out for you, and we'll see if we can change that uh, line for you, uh, Cheryl. But, uh, but uh, you, okay. you can give my me your view? insights, sure. My view is that I think we must not have a conversation about SOEs that's ideologically driven. It's an outdated way of looking at these things, and uh, it's quite dangerous. 
I think that governments must take responsibility for certain entities that are key to the priorities which the electorate had identified and voted our people in parliament in for in government. And in South Africa, I would say the two critical things are the ones, the entities which are key to growing our economy and the ones which also have to do with social justice, so your ESCOMs and, you know, access to electricity and water and all of that. And because often this thing gets into a debate about to privatize and not to privatize, sure. it becomes very ideological. Yeah. Uh, and that's nonsense. I want to just say something about SAA to start, because you will recall every time when I was part of a board and we mm-hmm. designed Denmark because we believe that government was mismanaging the entity. Well, some of it today, uh, it's apparent why some of that mismanagement was actually much more calculated than what we thought. And in fact, some of your ministers, like Malusiki Gaba, was already setting up the Guptas and some of their friends mm. uh, who introduced this Esa man who got that big contract of the Plaza, uh, the bad trains that didn't mm, fit. Mm, mm. Uh, Mr. Salim Esa was introduced by Malusiki Gaba onto mm. the board of SA and in fact onto the board of Transnet. And that's part of the problem that we're dealing with here is that we're not just dealing with a bad sense of government executing its responsibility uh, for appointing the right kind of board of ensuring that the whole processes for how you appoint CEOs uh, and so on uh, is completely abused. Uh, um, So we end up with incompetent people, we don't end up with the right skills mix. I ended up serving on an entity once where I asked the relevant minister, it was a good minister, it was a good board, I won't put them out of the mouth. But where are the CAs? We're going to chair the audit committee of this entity because to chair an audit committee, you lawfully need to be a chartered accountant. And it wasn't thought through at all in terms of putting a good board together for a good entity and a good purpose. So sometimes it's just like not thinking through these things properly. And sometimes it's outright bad when you appoint CEOs who are seen as politically sort of being close to you or your friends. And latterly, of course, uh, CEOs like Brian Molefi are appointed mm, mm. to further people's corrupt agendas mm, that they mm. have. And boards, similarly like Mr. Essa, appointed by Molefi Gaba, <laughs> serially onto a number of boards where there's been wrongdoing mm. and which is now under investigation. But let me come back to this. You know, I think that there's this whole wholesale privatization of an entity like SAA or a transit. Mm. I don't think it's going to work, especially SAA. Airlines, which are what they call end-of-hemisphere ones, like Canada, New Zealand, South Africa, are always going to be at a disadvantage mm. because unlike the Emirates airline or Ethiopian or Kenya, which are mid-hemisphere, it's a lot easier for them to get the mix of flights and profitability sorted because they can fly anywhere in the world because they're sitting in the middle. If you're sitting at the end of the hemisphere like Air Canada or Air New Zealand or SAA, and in a modern economy like South Africa with aspirations to grow our economy, anything beyond our immediate neighbors is a long-haul flight. And I believe an airline has to be in your transport mix for how Mm, you mm. transport goods and people. Mm. The trade regime. So, and I do not think you can do this without government support, including financial support. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. no excuse 
for badly run airline mm. or whatever. But I just want to put that out there that I do not think that an airline like FAA, which I believe is critical to our economy, not just for bringing tourists, but for moving goods and people for trade and economic purposes, is going to happen without that. Airline margins are so tight. Mm. I think only crazy people invest in airlines. People also, and even for tourism purposes, people often say, why can't FAA fly profitably between Cape Town and London? Uh, you know, when Virgin can and whatever. Well, Virgin does not fly the whole year reliably moving goods and people mm. as part of our economic purpose. They cut back their flights completely in winter. Now, if you have to transport fruit from the Cape, you can't rely on an airline that mm. cuts mm. back their services in, in, in June. But that airline is not going to have a cross-subsidization that you would have at the, at the height of summer. So I'm just saying there's a lot more complexity to how you would look at an airline. Then let me think about the transport, transnet or an ESCOM. I think there's a big social justice agenda there. Apartheid has disadvantaged people, poor people, and rural people significantly. And I don't believe that purely leaving it up to market forces is going to close that gap. But that places an extra burden of responsibility on government to make sure that there isn't corruption, that there isn't cronyism, mm. and that, in mm. fact, they think carefully about who the boards are and who the senior people are appointed and the processes that allows that to happen. So there's state interference, but for all the wrong reasons, and, in fact, now for outright criminality, that really has undermined and depleted well, I'm going to have to take a quick break and I want to get also the insights there of uh, Professor William Gumete there. Very worrying uh, uh, views coming there from uh, Cheryl Karalaus. The fact that worries me in a very, very big way is the fact that uh, it seems like uh, in terms of the priorities and we haven't really set them in place yet. But I have to take a quick break and then we'll come back to you, Professor William Gumete. Let's say a quick one. We're looking at the condition of state-owned enterprises in South Africa. We'll be back after this. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's international radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. Listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Nam. Kwenye line ya simu hivi sasa najiunga moja kwa moja. Farafina. Farafina. Terre de soleil. Kia makande embalelo kina Miriam. Está na companhia do serviço em língua portuguesa do canal África, a voz de renascença africana que transmite a partir dos seus estudos centrais de Auckland Park, cidade de Johannesburg, África do Sul. Sochitika, mu África! Informing the world about Africa, Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. 
Well, today is a big moment in South Africa. We know that yesterday uh, the Speaker of Parliament, Bale Gambete, really uh, surprised the nation with uh, allowing uh, the secret ballot of a vote of no confidence against Jacob Zuma in Parliament. Everyone is speaking about that. But in the backdrop of that, we know the issue of state capture, which has linked uh, uh, Jacob Zuma and his family to uh, the Gupta family and how state enterprises are uh, really uh, utilized as a way of uh, uh, almost like a political manipulation of, of, of a business venture of sorts. But let me come to you, Professor William Gumet, the professor and the director of uh, program for the management of public enterprises, the WITS uh, School of Governance. Both uh, our other guests have highlighted various, very strategic problems within our state enterprises from managerial and financial mismanagement and also the fact that there is a political interference in, in that regard but also Michelle Karalas really highlighted something very very important there the fact that we don't really manage our our peristatals to actually uh, though in, in a man in a way that actually uh, fulfills the ideals of what we're trying to uh, build as, as an economy uh, in terms of when, whether whether it comes to escom whether it comes to SA it seems the mismanagement is in the style in which we're actually uh, uh, pursuing the, the business ventures themselves. From from your pl- space, Professor William Kumete, what would you like to bring into the conversation? Um, good morning and good morning to your panelists. Unfortunately, I couldn't hear anything, um, you, you, you know, that your panelists... Yeah, we're struggling with, with, with our lines there. We I think maybe that. just to start, just the key, some of the key things, you know, state-owned enterprises by nature are very complex organizations, yeah. So, you know, firstly, there's, because they're complex, you know, one has to, a state-owned company must try to be profitable. It has so many stakeholders. It has very complicated legislation that governs it. It has, you know, a complicated accounting mechanisms. And, of course, it must now also deliver, and it often has to deliver uh, while doing services that, that often are not profitable profitable or are very difficult uh, to, de- uh, to deliver with a profit. So, you know, so because of the compl- this complexity about state-owned companies, there's a real premium on the kind of management and staff that it has, which means that in places where state-owned companies really worked, management were extraordinary. Almost, you know, there's a there's a need for the management to be almost better than the kind of management in private companies because of the complexity of the organization. And it's the same for staff. I mean, if you just look at some of the state-owned companies, I mean, I, I was advisor to the Presidential Review Committee on State-Owned Companies, mm. and on behalf of the committee went to look at a couple of the successful state-owned companies around the world. The first thing that will really strike you is, I think, the quality of the boards and then also the quality of the staff. And often in most countries where state-owned companies are run well, the staff who are employed are often the best staff or or the most Mm. talented available in a country. Mm. I mean, even better qualified and and better managers than in the private sector. So that Mm. really is 
what makes uh, you know the better companies, uh, state-owned companies, work better. Now you look at our case. Unfortunately, in the South African case, and in many other African countries, and even mm. developing countries, you, you know, staff, management, and boards are often appointed through political, you know, means not the best people they move mm, for mm. patronage sake and so on. Mm. So that's already, you know, setting up a state-owned company for failure. As I say, state, that state-owned companies are such complicated animals. So if you're going to have people that don't know what they're doing, running these type of organizations, mm. they are going to fail. Now, also, that patronage is something that is, seems to be a, a constant uh, problem, now, Professor. Uh, you know, how do we actually, you know, this whole comradeship that is associated with how we actually uh, appoint uh, uh, these high positions, these managers, it, for me, that seems to be where things seem to break down, as, as you highlight. How do you reverse that? Because it seems like it's, a, it's, it's part of the way that uh, these, these uh, positions are, are given. You know, there are many examples in other places that we can learn from. If you, you know, uh, I think just the first thing is is to professionalise the board and the sure, management sure. and the staff. I sure. mean, that's, that really is the start. But I guess before one can even get there, there has to be the political will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you don't have any political will, we're going to be you know running around in circles and so on. My sense is right now, there's a lot of official talk about, yes, we must get the state-owned companies uh, managed well, we must get them to deliver and so on, but they, I don't think there's really a political will to do the hard, to make the hard decisions. What will be the hard decisions to really to get competent CEOs who are not politically connected? I think that's the first thing. Get boards who are professional and not politically connected, and the same with staff. Now, that really is a hard political decision to make. And, and then the second part of it is, you know, I think our problem really with our state-owned companies, it, they are almost run like it would be, you know, it, it has the same culture as the public service. Mm. Um, mm. Not very professional, you know. You know, of course, there are pockets of the public service that are run well and that are professional, but mm. there are many parts that are not run well. And unfortunately, many of our state-owned companies, especially those who are failing, they are run really along the really bad lines of, you know, management or, or other organisational cultures. Uh, that in the state, the bad organisational cultures, we can also see it also within these uh, state-owned companies. Well, I think I'm going to try and relate what was highlighted there by Professor William Gumete, just for uh, you, Joachim, because I want you to uh, highlight this particular issue itself. Because I feel like when when it looks when we look at these state-owned enterprises, we've got chaos happening from all angles. I mean, when you think of ESCOM, the recent one was the fact that Chief Financial Officer Anoj Singh is on precautionary suspension. We know in at the SABC, uh, there still was an issue where. Uh, a couple of uh, uh, the leadership in, in the SABC were also suspended there. We had problems of the issue of the former CEO of Eskom, Brian Mulefa. There's so many other examples that that I could bring into uh, this particular uh, conversation, Danelle and, and Transnet and and that kind of issue. And what, what are your thoughts around this leadership issue when it comes to our, our peristatals, Joachim? Well, I think I agree with both Ms. Carabas and Professor Kinsley. You really have to have your best uh, people uh, in it. And 
these type of organizations don't run themselves. It, uh, it really requires special people that can operate it in a commercial and uh, uh, sphere, uh, taking in account its role as a state uh, entity. So it really requires special people to be appointed, and uh, one has to actually develop a system by which you have uh, candidates that you actually grow and train. Uh, I can specifically talk about airlines, many larger airlines isolated younger people or senior managers, and then I sent them to other airlines to actually go and learn a specific skill and apply mm -hmm. it back in the airline. But you need time to actually do that. It's not a sudden one-source. Mm -hmm. Overall, I think that um, one has to think about uh, what can South Africa afford. You know, um, uh, it's clear that uh, the country cannot afford the type of losses uh, incurred and the funding requirements uh, of uh, the SAEs that we have. In particular, airlines uh, have very large, uh, very small, small margins. Mm -hmm. So if we look at continuing funding the losses uh, until it breaks even, you know, with the local margins that comes out, you'll never recoup those losses. Mm -hmm. Those losses will be gone, you know. Mm -hmm. So I would think that overall one should look at um, uh, perhaps reducing the expectations from SMEs so, and reducing so. funding. Mm -hmm. And maybe relying more on the role of uh, competition mm. and open up spaces for competition mm. um, uh, further because then you have a check, an automatic check on whether you get money for uh, value for money mm. and um, uh, cost, consumer choice is really uh, aided by having a competitive benchmark. Mm. Many of the SOEs operate in a uh, monopoly type of role and maybe time has come to reduce the size and scope of operations to the manageable thing that can be handled from a financial point of view, mm -hmm. that we can fund it, and be that we can actually have staff that can actually run it, mm -hmm. not just a look. Mm. Well, let me come to also Temba Gordi on the line. I'm sure he's been waiting for a while. But, uh, you know, the whole issue when it comes to what's happening with the issues of the Gupta links, I know that the latest one was Singh has been uh, heavily uh, linked to numerous deals between ESCOM and Gupta companies. And we're talking about ESCOM there. I was speaking about Enoch Singh, who everyone has been talking about his precautionary suspension, Mr. Gordi. Uh, there seems to be also in, in another problem which are procurement processes in state enterprises, and I'm sure that that's a big headache for the Standing Committee of Public Account. Well, very true. I mean, all the troubles we're talking about and governance issues there to the extent that uh, supply chain management sure. uh, processes are undermined. It's all about making money. We, we had 1994 happening, and we had all the political rights, but um, the economic rights have remained... Um, a little bit out there, and naturally, uh, those who have political power uh, would seek to use any avenue where political power has leverage to make money. Mm -hmm. So unless you have a very strong dose of revolutionary morality, the temptation will always be there. So the issue around political will uh, to do the right thing becomes very critical. The laws are there, very clear, uh, very advanced. But um, 
they are not being followed. That's why if you look at uh, the amounts of irregular expenditure, you see that the disclosures keep increasing year in and year out, indicating that uh, where officials have a discretion, they would rather circumvent the law uh, to do shortcuts. Well, I'm going to take a quick break and then we're going to just get your final sentiments. I'm going to come to you, Ms. Cheryl Karalaus and Professor William Gumete, just to wrap up the conversation. Uh, it's uh, 38 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. Various views coming from our guests there. We're looking at state-owned enterprise in South Africa. As you can hear, there's a lot of lot of uh, chaos, not really well-functioning when it comes to the finances of these various uh, uh, state institutions. Well, let's take a quick break and just get a breather and then we'll come back with our final views. We have great news for you. Channel Africa has gone mobile. If you have a cell phone, you can now download the mobile app for Android. You can get it on Google Play. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa. Bringing you the African Perspectives. Well, we have a jam-packed program today, getting various insights from our panel discussion with our guests. If you're just joining us, we have had uh, Temba Gordi, Chairperson of the Standing Committee of Public Account, uh, Ms. Cheryl Karalaus, who is the NC Veteran Politician and Trustee of the Constitutional Court, Professor William Gumete, Director of the Program for the Management of Public Enterprises at the Witt School of Governance, and Joachim Vermutin, who's the Aviation Economist and Business Consultant. Uh, Ms. Cheryl Karalaus, in terms of turning things around do we have the capacity at this particular point or should we wait for 2019 for new appointees and for things to be actually rehashed in a new way after the 2019 elections is the projection supposed to be that far or what can we do now to see some form of transformation in the state-owned enterprises space Ms. Cheryl Karalaus are you still there Yes, I'm here. I was just asking you in terms of how do we turn things around? Should we wait for the 2019 elections for a new turnaround and for new appointments? Or is it something that we can start now to see a form of transformation at the uh, in-state-owned uh, enterprises? Or should we be waiting for 2019? No, we shouldn't, Benjamin. We can't afford to wait until 2019. You know, the global economy in which we are operating and competing is in a mess. And I think even the politics, uh, you know, if we think we're sitting with a bad bunch of politicians, we should look at other countries like sure, the U.S. Sure. and Brexit. So, mm-hmm. so we can't. We can't really wait because we are losing ground and we're losing our competitive edge at a time when we should be able, able to gain you know, uh, where there's weaknesses in the global economy, we've got a lot we can offer. Mm. We've got the skills, and I think that politicians must actually be held to account now by the various constituencies in us demanding that they appoint proper people because we have got great skills out here in South Africa. We've got great goodwill from people who want to make a difference. The number of smart young graduates I come across and seasoned managers uh, black, white, men, women, mm. uh, I really think it's criminal that we're not getting the right people sure. to sit on our board and to infect you. And I'm with William. I heard Mr. Professor Gomede very briefly one part I did hear from him. You know, for state-owned entities, you 
do need people who are in many ways able to manage much more complexity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you need people to start who have the right skills. Those are not those complexities are not political complexity. Mm-hmm. And that's the mistake is that often people are appointed because they are assumed to be able to manage political complexity and they fall a bit short on their competence and their sense of accountability because they think they're political players and therefore accountable to political principles and not necessarily to an institution uh, which is critical to the turnaround of our people's fortunes and our country's economic fortunes. Mm. So I think we should start with proper appointment and no, we shouldn't wait until 2019. And the electorate deserves to punish those incumbents at the Mm. moment In 2019, if they have wasted more time between today and 2019, people must vote to their feet. Mm. Well, Professor William Gumete, your final sentiments there, and uh, do you think uh, today's uh, vote of no confidence stance will actually see a new era of looking at these issues of corruption, or it's still difficult to tell? From my side, I still think I'm not quite sure where things will go uh, tonight uh, when we get that an announcement from uh, the Speaker of Parliament. You know, not what standing what the outcome is today um, in Parliament. I think South Africa has already changed. Okay. I think, you know, ordinary citizens is already now starting to you know to assume leadership because you know that's what we need um, civil society you know is been reinvigorated um, and I think uh, you know we have to build on it um, what we have to do is the same mobilization that we're now seeing against President Jacob Zuma we must also mobilize you know against corrupt or poorly managed state-owned companies because at the end of the day, what is a state-owned company? A state-owned company uses taxpayers' money. So everyone needs to be concerned about a state-owned company. You know, as people are concerned about, you know, the way parliamentarians vote, we should be so uh, concerned about the way state-owned companies are being managed and they lack of delivery. So for me, the good thing is what has happened, you know, the last couple of months is that people are being galvanized again. You know, you've got, you know, people that used to be in the past active, but, you know, who kind of slowed down the last few years are back, um, you know, returned to activism. Young people, are, you know, are being inspired, you know, to be activists and so on. If we can now channel that old and new activism into state-owned companies, to hold state-owned companies accountable also, I think then we may be, you know, we may be able, you know, to reverse the trend of state-owned company failure. Well, thank you so much. We're going to wrap it up there. Uh, Very packed uh, program and commentary coming from our guests there. Thank you to Professor uh, William Gumete, our final speaker there, Director of the Program for the Management of Public Enterprises at the Witt School of Governance. Thank you to Ms. Cheryl Karalaus, who is an ANC veteran politician and trustee of the Constitutional Court. Thank you to Temba Gordi, Chairperson of the Standing Committee of Public Account, and Joachim Fermuten, who's the aviation economist and business consultant. Thank you all for giving us your time. It was jam-packed. I wish I had a little bit more time, but we know we have a uh, limited uh, uh, space uh, uh, on, on such issues. But I think uh, we touched on all angles and all sides of the conversation. So we really do appreciate your participation. 